Anu Nation is home to the Anu Spiritual Order founded by Chief Jegna Haru Yuya Asan Anu. Some of the components of Anu Nation are Anu Life Global Ministries, Enlightenment and Transformation, Sudulu House, and Osiris Life Spiritual Services. SuduluHouse.com is the school component of Anu Nation where spiritual empowerment through education and training is emphasized. One way that is accomplished is through our monthly webinars. Our webinars are packed with foundational information, rituals, and live instruction to empower your spiritual work. At SuduluHouse.com, you can view our diverse list of topics for this year that range from meditation to sex magic. And you can also register for any of the webinars at your convenience. Sign up for our introductory Orisha class, schedule a spiritual reading, and sign up for the Anu Spiritual Training Course. Enlightenment and Transformation is the media component of Anu Nation. Here, you can view all of our archive shows from over the years to our current segments. They include Chief Speaks, Masterminds Monday, Anu Asafo, Thunderground Thursdays, and Foundational Fridays. You can also visit us on our YouTube channels. They are Enlightenment and Transformation, Orisha Yoruba, and Anu Nation. Osiris Life Spiritual Services is for those who are ready to take the necessary actions to bring your life into holistic balance. Here we offer consistent monthly one-on-one coaching, solutions that are tailored just for you, practical hands-on self-development techniques that will accompany your monthly readings, and customized practical strategies designed for you that guarantee positive results. Simply choose the package that best fits your needs. And last but not least, AlphaOmegaStore.com. The Alpha Omega Store is our online botanica where we offer divination tools, herbs and incense, DVDs, books, and other hard-to-find ritual items. You can also get our best-selling foundational book, Grasping the Root of Divine Power. Other great works from Anu Nation are Shrine and Altar, Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships, and Natural Hair for Young Women, all great books to assist you on your journey. To find out more on how to get involved with Anu Nation, visit our websites and YouTube channels and be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter. All right. Peace, peace. Welcome, everyone, uh, of course, to Midday Community and um, to Enlightenment and Transformation and Anu Nation and all of the other different components that were just shouted out in our in our informational intro. And, you know, I know it's a sad thing. A lot of people don't actually probably listen to the the intro because then what happens is the result. They end up asking questions <laughs> that were already answered uh, in the intro. So, you know, stay plugged in. Stay plugged in because sometimes you might miss little tidbits, little announcements and things that you could actually use later to avoid yourself having to ask later, you know. But, yeah, man, you know, um, welcome, everyone, all of you first-time listeners, those of you in the chat. Those of you on the phone lines, which of course is 515-605-9862. If you want to speak, just hit the number one. If you want to speak, just hit the number one. If you don't want to speak, that's fine. All right. 
And uh, I'm aware that a lot of people are a little nervous about calling in um, male and female alike. And that's good. You know, we, we've established a certain environment and, you know, some of the establishing of that environment had to come with a lot of work and a lot of a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth and blood, sweat and tears. But uh, we're slowly in, uh, establishing a, an environment that reflects the regality and the sacredness and the emphasis on how we treasure the sacred information that we're dealing with and that we're sharing and that we're applying, not just learning and researching, but that we're applying uh, to our everyday lives. So, you know, some folks feel a little bit nervous about calling in because they know that their stuff is not on point or they're not on point and they're going to come in wrong and they're nervous about that, then that's good. They should be nervous. <laughs> they should absolutely be nervous. You know, uh, I know life can be, uh, it can be something else. <laughs> I was going to say something else. But, you know, it could be a huge burden. It could be an arduous and tedious journey, some of the things that we have to put put up with and deal with on a, on a daily. So sometimes, uh, sadly, we look for opportunities where we can extend beyond the um, boundaries of respect where we can kind of, you know, we do that sometimes to regain some of our own self-esteem. So, you know, we go to a restaurant and we treat a server very poorly or, you know, um, we, we treat someone who is cleaning up something poorly or, you know, we call a customer service for our cell phone and we treat them poorly. We find all of these different ways to outlet and to kind of allow what is trickled down to us through our higher superiors on our jobs or whatever to allow it to trickle down to someone else. And, you know, um, that doesn't heal you. That doesn't fix anything at all. You're just creating more, more bad causes in the world for yourself. So a lot of times, even in an environment like a block talk radio show, you have people who prank call, you know, we get those sometimes. You got the prank callers and then you have the people who were calling and be real rude because they're trickling down and trying to release some of the frustration that they're having with people who are above them. But, um, you know, you got to be careful. Sometimes you'll get that server and McDonald's that will hop over the over the counter and beat you with a spatula. You know, they're just not having it. You might get that that um, person on, on AT&T on a phone call who actually is about to quit the job has already it's friday they've already collected their last check maybe already deposited they just saw the money going to their direct deposit you know so curse them out if you want <laughs> you know or maybe they're getting ready to move out of the country or something like that you know so uh you gotta be careful with that stuff man or you may call into the block talk radio host who's like listen who do you think i'm trying to sell uh, uh candles and and uh herb kits or something like that what do you think this is? You, you think I, I'm going to sit here and put up with this so I can get a, a $7 sale at the end of the, the call? Nah, F you. <laughs> like, you got this this confused. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's just best. You know, I'm playing around. But, you know, it's just best to, um, yeah, just to be respectful, man. Have some level of emotional control and management, you know. Uh, be Be more lovely <laughs> to people, you know. Be more lovely. Be more loving. You know, so uh, I think we've been able to establish that in many senses, you know, and that means maybe people are less vocal. But if you really think about it in a classroom setting, 
you know, people are going to be a little bit more quieter when, when they're learning and things like that. There's the, the partition is the, I'm not the partition, the participation is uh very high, which is a great thing, you know? Um, but this idea of constantly always wanting to assert a point, an unfounded point, I Okay, let's see. Am I, am I back? All right. Sorry about that blog talk, people. I know you guys are who are called in. Um, you know, you know what blog talk does. Sometimes at this point, I don't have to go through the whole, you know, the whole explanation. At this point, sometimes it drops your call. You know, sometimes you calling it drops you. Sometimes it drops me. And, you know, it is what it is, man. But like I said, we're phasing blog talk out. Anyway, man, I know some people who use it and they're having great success, but then, you know, they're mainly doing like calling and talk shows and things like that. So they're having great success with the blog talk platform. As for me, um, because my format is a little bit different, I don't really need it as much as I did at one point. Like when I was doing the Sunday live calling Chief Speaks, yeah, it was it was great. You know, but now that we don't really do as many live call-ins as much anymore. Um it, it can go, so I'm not going to make a big stink about that. And like I said, I didn't like the answer they gave me. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about, too, you know, that emotional control today. When I had reached out to them and told them that, you know, you guys were all having trouble calling in and were getting prompted to be charged a dollar a minute or a penny a minute, they like, oh, you need to go talk to T-Mobile about that. I was like, all right. Yeah, all right. That's it for you. <laughs> Yeah, you're done, Block Talk. You know, you know, you don't pocketed enough of my money now. You're done. You know, so um, sometimes we're so reactionary. A lot of times, when we hear things that we don't like, or hear things that could actually change our situation, that we we start to express certain emotions in the moment that really serve no purpose to actually bring any type of balance to the moment. You know, and. I kind of wanted to speak about this. You notice I'm getting right into it because I actually have a consultation to do shortly. So I said, let me just come in, you know, share with you all, connect with everyone. Of course, peace to you all in the chat room. I see you all, (laughs) you know, connect to everyone real quick and, um, you know, then move on with with, uh, the things that I have to do because, you know, I I shifted my schedule around a little bit the past couple of days. So I'm playing catch up. Um, So, yeah, you know, um, a lot of times because of a lack of emotional management, and and I'm going to kind of share what what is bringing this out a little bit in that sense. Um, You know, a lot of times when I'm working with people and you all online, you all in the chat room, you all listening on YouTube, because a lot of you have been victims of this, you know, your own personal victims of what you've imposed upon yourselves, man. A lot of times people will say, oh, yeah, chief, I want to get that life path reading or I want to do this with you. I want to get initiated under you. I want to do this. I want to do that, do that. And I and I back you up. And, you know, I'm going to put it out there for those who are listening. I know everybody listens in their own time, so everybody's not on the air, on the line. But I don't back you up because because um, it's anything personal or because I feel like you're incapable of, you know, getting certain certain information or taking things to the next level 
or anything like that. It's not so much about that, to be honest with you. That's not why I'm backing you up in that sense. A lot of times there's an emotional capacity that needs to be present first in order for you to properly receive the, the experience for what it is. I've done initiations with people and been involved in initiations with people where they could have just saved their plane ticket money and not even flew to the continent, did it. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching them and they're just not even present. You know, they're just kind of going through the motions, just kind of looking around like it's, they're, they're just, they're, they're like zombies. They're like just big blocks of concrete, you know, and years of me seeing things like that, you know, working with a lot of different people, you know, sometimes people need to do work. They call me and say, Hey, can you come and help this? We're doing a service or we're doing initiation here. This, that, that, that there, you know, no problem. So the thing is when I see things like that and have seen things like that in the past, you know, it's, it, to me, it's sad. And sometimes it's difficult to imagine, you know, when you're coming into a situation to get something, it's difficult to imagine that someone who you may be in your mind hiring and employing to give you that thing that they may know actually what you need more than you do. You know, sometimes that's, that's very difficult to process. And I understand it, but you know, again, the society we live in, we're we're programmed without a system of rites of passage in the society. We're programmed without a system of eldership, without a system of, of village or communal council. So we're programmed from early on as young people to believe that we know everything. You know, you, you, a lot of our, our books and our stories, our heroines are our children, you know, so um, it's hard to imagine that there are people in the world who know more than what we do about something that we may be interested in. You know, we could say like, yeah, maybe there's somebody who knows more about um, geoseismic activity. I don't care nothing about that. <laughs> you know, there's somebody who knows more about cloud formations, but I don't care nothing about that. You know, we could just go through certain things, um, but there may be something we really care about. You know, like I remember one time years ago talking to the sister real, I was real cool with. She was a huge Michael Jackson fan. Like, and when I say fan, I'm saying fan because I don't use that word, really. I Because I, fan is short for fanatic. But she was a Michael Jackson fanatic, you know. And um, I remember one time I was telling her, I was like, yo, you know, um, uh, Michael Jackson didn't invent invent the moonwalk, and she went ballistic. Like Don there wanted to fight me, like, and she said, like, you know, those are fighting words. Like she was ready to at least, at the very least, play wrestle. <laughs> and I said, listen, no, we ain't gonna do that, you know, because you will get hurt. <laughs> so let's not play that game. But I'm just telling you, he did not invent the moonwalk. You know, like he never even said he invented the moonwalk. You know, but he that's he didn't start that dance. So it's a long story short, right? So I actually showed her who he, Michael Jackson got it from and who he credited from getting it from, right? You know, um, so in in that moment, it was very difficult for her to imagine that someone that she was so fanatical about, there was someone else who existed in the world who may have known more about that individual than than she did. You know, that that kind of that kind of, you know, um <laughs> shuck shuck her up a little bit, you know. Um and I'm just giving you a real small example. You know, I like I like to sometimes give small examples because it makes it it makes the it makes the information very accessible very quickly for you to understand what I'm talking about. So a lot of times 
when we don't have that degree of, of, of emotional equalization, you know, we, we don't have that sense of um, emotional management, you know, it's difficult for us to, to, to receive what we're supposed to receive through our processes. So we want certain readings. We would say, oh, chief, I want life path for you. I say, ah, don't worry about that just yet. You know, don't worry. You don't, you don't actually need that just yet. You know, because I'm not, whether you get it or not, I mean, I'm, I'm good, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's not, that's not for you right now because maybe you're in a place where, and I can see because, well, partly it's because it's my job to be able to see, you know, being a priest is not just about, um, you know, it's not just about mixing a bunch of things in a mortar and a pestle and grinding down some things into powder and putting in water and say, Hey, drink this. You know, like I said, when you're dealing with this spiritual walk, 20% 20% of it is actual is, is actually the tapping into the spirit. 80% of it is psychology. 80% of it is psychological. You know, I know that's hard to imagine and it almost sounds it sounds unreal when you consider the vast and the long and rich history that uh, indigenous people have of tapping into their, their stronger sense and their more natural sense but 80% of, of the deliverance of it so that you can get it and so that you can receive it and actually do something with it, 80% of that is psychological. How do I deliver this? How do I share this? You see, how do I present this message? You listen to my shows, I don't really use much profanity. I'm not going to say curse words. It's really, it's not too many curse words, you know, um, but I don't use much profanity. Why? Because I don't use profanity. Yeah, I use profanity. I love profanity. Profanity t- tastes like like honey and nutmeg in my mouth. I love profanity. A comedian ain't funny to me unless he uses profanity. Okay? So, no, nah, that's not the issue. You know, psychologically, how can I reach the most people, you know, at the same time, while at the same time not watering down what it is that I'm doing? Okay, well, that's something that I can remove. I don't really need profanity to explain what I'm explaining, you know. So if I take it out, I can actually get a little further without it. Once in a while, I may say a little, drop a little something here, there, 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 just just for fun. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just fun to let a little thing, you know, a little word here and there, you know, go by just to be just to be naughty. <laughs> but, you know, I don't necessarily need to use those words. So, you know, that's a part of the psychological thing. That you that you begin to employ in order to make sure that your message or you know what, what the spirits are giving you are sent across to you properly. You see, so in dealing with this concept, like I said, a lot of times um, we're rushing, we're trying to hurry up and, and speed ourselves into certain experiences and in, in certain realms of knowing without necessarily having the emotional capacity to handle what it is that we're going to confront. I can't tell you how many times, and some of you have probably done it, who are listening, gotten readings by me and have said, chief, I feel like you're holding back. And I say, yes, of course I'm holding back. And then you say, well, tell me everything. I can take it. I can take it. I, that's why I call, because I want you to tell me everything. And in my mind, I'm going to tell you what I'm saying. Now, you've all, a lot of you have gone through this, a lot of you. And I'll say, no, I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about it. But I'm going to give you the little secret. I'm going to tell you what I'm saying. Now, this is where my thumbs down on the video is probably going to come from. I already, I already know when I turn people off. In my mind, I'm saying, would you shut the F up? 
That's actually what I'm thinking. Just shut the F up. You don't know what you're ready for. I turn your world inside out with three different words. I don't even have to say too much to turn your world inside out. Shut the F up and let me do what the heck I'm doing. Now, that's what I'm saying inside. But outside, psychology, you know, get used psychology. I'm saying, no, 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 don't worry. You know, we're going to take it step by step, baby steps. You wouldn't give meat to a baby, right? So, you know, don't worry. I got you. Sounds a lot different, right? (laughs) Sounds a lot different. You got to learn how to use psychology. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) So I'm just saying, yeah, I know, I know. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, it's like, it's almost like you're aiming for the potholes when you're driving, right? You know, he's aiming for the thumbs down. <laughs> but um, so you know, when you start getting into that level of, of emotional equalization, one of the first things that's necessary, I'm gonna tell you, the main thing that many people lack that causes them not to be able to be exposed to the larger experiences and understanding that whatever I'm holding from you, it's just, it, that's a, that's a, an indication also of what the cosmos is also holding from you. Because you remember we spoke about that. I think it was yesterday. Your nervous system has to be built up in order for you to have certain authority to will certain power. You have to be able to withstand it. Right. So it's, it's the same thing in your emotional body. Like I'm sure you all have friends and family. I'm sure. You all have friends and family where who you may not necessarily say things to or expose certain things to them because, you know, they can't handle it. You know, and it may be the ones that's always like, you know, <laughs> why y'all always having secret meetings? Or I found out you had a little private phone conference or this or that. And they get upset about it because they want to be included. But you know them that they can't really handle it. You know, that they're just not they're not equipped to really handle you know, um, serious or adult situations. They may not have matured to that. And they could be adults, you know, they could be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but they've never really matured to that level where you can actually have some real talk with them. You know, they either flip out or it turns into something else. And a lot of that is is that is a result of their inner dialogue. You know, it's 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 how they're always talking to themselves. However, they're always talking to themselves is how they're going to perceive the world is talking to them. When you talk to certain people, no matter how they run something down to you, and matter of fact, the sister with the whole um, Michael Jackson situation, she was one of these type of people. I mean, she was um, very similar to myself. That's why we got along so well because she was such a strong um, warrior energy. The only problem with her where we used to differ a lot, where we'd have problems, is when there was no war, she had to go make a war. You know, everything could be cool, honky-dory, and she would have to find a war so that because she, she was at peace with a whole lot of screaming and confusion and, come on, let's get out of here, the cops are coming, and, you know, that that's where she was very comfortable at. You know, and her presentation was nothing like that. Very well-spoken, seemed to be very classy, seemed to be, you know, um, very well refined and, and, and organized in her thoughts and organized in her speech. But she was a freaking uh, violent psychopath. I had to slide, you know, I had to slide <laughs> from that, you know. So a lot of times, man, um, people, they have this inner dialogue 
all the time. And, and they don't, you know, they lack that level of self-awareness. That's what I was saying. That's the number one thing you need. Self-awareness. You know, I know we've been speaking about that a lot and it may sound like, you know, like someone said to me, uh, I think it was yesterday in the reading, he's like, you know, I noticed I've been going through a lot of your old shows. You tend to repeat yourself a lot. It's not because I'm getting old and, I, and I'm forgetting. And I had to tell him, I said, I'm repeating myself a lot because people are not applying what I'm teaching. So I have to keep drilling it in. There's no point in trying to move move beyond first grade. You know, that, that would be a, a crime and tragedy to the actual student. You know, now they think they're getting it. But you can see the difference when it's being applied as opposed to when it's just being researched or when it's just being listened to. So sometimes you got to keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating until they actually do it. And that's one of the hard parts of teaching because I don't want to talk about things stuff all the time. I mean, I'm still, let me see, what, what am I, what am I at now? 27 years, 27 years in of actually doing the work. Now, 27 years of just coming into my consciousness. 27 years of teaching I'm still saying You got to do your own work I started out saying that I was saying that back in the days You got to do your own work (laughs) 27 years later Yeah you got to do your own work Nobody's going to do it for you So some things just takes a little bit longer To kind of set in So you end up repeating, repeating, repeating But you know again Um that level of self-awareness is key. And a lot of people don't have that. So they're used to certain rhetorical statements. Like when you're getting a reading and you realize the reader's not telling you everything and they'll say, you know, well, tell me everything. I like to hear everything. I don't care what you like to hear. You know, just like you have that relative is like, why y'all leave me out? You know, I don't like to be left out. We don't care because we know also how you respond. So at this point, you don't have the emotional maturity to, to, to make that decision anymore. We have to make that decision for you. We have to we have to regulate what you're going to receive and what you're going to be a part of based on the, the, the state that you've achieved because you haven't been able to monitor your own emotional states. You haven't been able to monitor your own growth rate. You see, now that's that self-awareness that we're talking about when a person can recognize themselves. There was a sister who left a comment, I, I want to say it was Empress 2009. I could be wrong, you know, um, but she had left a comment that I had highlighted on one of the shows that I said, you know, it was a very, very simple comment, but the simplest stuff is the best stuff. You know, just remember that simplest stuff is the best stuff, man. You know, um, and she said that a lot of women make decisions based off of hurt and pain because they're not aware that they're still, I don't I'm now it's getting fuzzy, but there's something like they're not, I'm paraphrasing. They're not aware that they're, that they're still in need of healing, that they're still hurt. Well, that's a lack of self-awareness. You know, that's kind of being clueless to yourself and clueless to the world around you. So when you don't have that sense of self-awareness, then now what you begin to do is you begin to use your own internal dialogue and usually the lowest aspect of your internal dialogue to define every single situation and scenario in your life. So, like I said, with the other system I'm speaking about, you know, and beautiful person, you know, I don't want to act like I'm just digging in on her. She's she was also she was a warrior, but she was also a warrior, and she still is. Let me not even take that out because she still does work in the community, still a warrior for her people, you know. Um, but like I said, just very makes the war when there is no war, and when the when that particular battle's over, she figures out ways to reignite it <laughs> until you know you have to constantly move her around 
Like, all right, that's done. Now go over here now. Now we're going to do this next. Okay, that's done. Now we're going to go over and do this next. Because if you leave her in one place too long, she becomes highly destructive. You know, um, but having that awareness, when you have that internal dialogue, like her internal dialogue was always, you know, she would call me up and she would say, Bob, let me run something down to you. Okay, so I'm over here at the checkers, right? I'm ordering. Now, I know I'm not supposed to be eating the shake. I know, I know, I know. Can we just get through what, what I'm talking about? I'm ordering the shake, and the sister takes my change, and she puts the, the bill in my hand and puts the change on top of the bill. Like, she doesn't want her fingertips to touch the palm of my hand. You know, she would just make up, so I'm making that up. But it would be things like that. And I'd be like, wait, hold on. Why, why are you calling me about I'm working. What, what is this? And she said, but I'm saying, like, should I, you, do you feel I should write a letter to the management? You know, always be something like that. Like, no, throw the milkshake out and, you know, go get a juice and go home before you destroy something, you know, always in that, in that mode, you know. Um, but that was the energy she came with. And, you know, she'll, she'll figure it out at some point. But um, that lack of self-awareness creates this imbalance in terms of, you know, always using that inner dialogue, whether that inner dialogue be a, be a lack of self-confidence or you find certain people whenever they run a story down, um, <laughs> they're always the conquistador conquistador in the story you know i have i have another good brother like that um strong leo vibe he's a leo but he's a leo he is not leaving you know like i always teach you guys you got to go around the circle you know and he is not leaving that leo quadrant he's not interested he's all about the leo you know even looks like a lion huge locks and you know comes in the room just yelling always roaring laughing too loud, always dressed inappropriately, always saying something inappropriately, like, you know, just always wrong. That's just his vibe. He's always got to be on the side and people love him. You know, he's a very popular guy, you know, he, but just wrong all the time. And he loves me. He just gravitates to me. He always wants me around him. And yeah, I'm throwing a party at that. One time he threw a party at his apartment. He had, well, he moved since then. He had this apartment down in Brooklyn. And um, he was like, yo, we got three different DJs. Now, he's got a one-bedroom apartment and a brownstone. So there's other people who live in the in the, the building. So I'm saying, when he told me, he said, yeah, I got three different DJs. And he was like, I was like, oh, so they're going to be taking turns on the set. He said, nah, man, they're spending at the same time. I'm like, all right, I'm trying to figure out what you talking about i'm trying to figure out how this is working matter of fact it was a two-bedroom apartment now i'm trying to remember so he had one dj in his bedroom he had another dj in the living room and then he had because well i don't want to say what he does because y'all might figure out who it is but he's uh, um let's just say he's a craftsman he makes stuff yeah that's that's easy enough because he's real popular so in his his work room he had another dj but this is not a huge apartment. So <laughs> I go up in the joint and it just sounds like total confusion. You know what I mean? The whole the whole place looked like a mosh pit. It looked like a Metallica concert. It was just noise on top of noise. He was like, yo, yeah, we got the Afro beat. We spending the Afro beat in there. And I think at that time, Mob Deep had just come out with a new 
back in with CD. He was like, yo, I got that, that new mob beat. We spinning in there. And then over there, over there, he had some other kind of like slow jams. And I'm looking at him. I'm saying, you don't see this is this is wrong. Something's off. And then in, in his, his workroom, he had his tools like because he's a messy guy, too. You know, I let him stay with me literally like two days. I was like, you got to go, brother. I love you. You know, you're my brother forever. He wanted to stay. He was having some financials. I was like, man, we got to work something else out. And I literally put up my money to put him up and I rented a room for him down in Harlem. It's like, you cannot be here. It was horrible. You know, um, and then he kept looking at my women. Like, it was just bad, man. He's like, man, that's just bad, man. That's just bad. Come on, man. She's like, in the next room. (laughs) You know, so... Yeah, I go down there, man, and it was like tools on the floor and pe- straps of metal and stuff, uh, you know. And I normally take my shoes off when I enter people's homes, so I'm putting them. I'm put my Tim's back on. <laughs> you know, I'm end up coming out here and need a tetanus shot, messing around with you, you know. So again, total lack of self awareness, total lack of self. Now, I-, I will admit, I will admit, there's a part of me that likes being around him. Because he he does give me a little bit of that edge and that gumption because I already have that effort personality. And he gives me a little of that effort when I need it, you know, when I kind of sometimes fall into something else, you know, being reserved or, you know, maybe being over considerate. <laughs> I'll call him up. Yo, what's going on tonight? Yo, come through. That is always something. He's always in the middle of something, you know, and he's older than me. But he looks younger than me. He's he's skinny dude. You know, he, now he's he's into working out. So he's he's all big and diesel, you know. Still he ain't got no muscles though, man. I can't tell you how many times I had to pull people up off of him. You know, he one of them guys who looks like a you know, look like he could do something but couldn't swing a punch to save his life, man. I had to pull a teenager off him once, man. Real talk. A teen let me see how old was that boy? The boy was about fourteen. Real talk had him was choking him up against the wall. And he was like, come on, man. He could barely say, man, get, this, get this kid off me, man, before I hurt him. He wasn't about to hurt nothing. <laughs> that, kid was, that kid was about to catch a body. <laughs> you know? But um, that's just his energy, man. He's wild like that, and I love him. But um, he doesn't have that conscientiousness about him where he can he can regulate himself. So everything with him is about a complete dispensation of his impulses. You know, and a lot of times when, you know, when we're trying to get into a space where we're trying to control our spirit or, or, or manage and direct our spirit, you know, we have to get into a place where there has to be some level of self-regulation. Okay. And the self-regulation causes us now to kind of have certain, we, we begin to marginalize our feelings and our reactions. And that's a very hard thing for people to do a lot of times, you know, to say, okay, my feeling is over here. If you could almost like do a breakout diagram, you know, like some, some, um, uh, a flow chart, even you say, okay, this, this is what was said, or this is what was done. And I'm going to have a feeling that goes over here. I'm gonna put that to the upper left, maybe. And then I have a certain physical impulse. That's going to go over here. Then it's going to be an outward expression and reaction. That's going to go over here. You see, to be able to, to put them in compartments just for a moment, 
you know, is is one of the tools of self-awareness. Now, when you lack self-awareness and you lack that degree of of, of personal, you know, conscientiousness or or the ability to adapt quickly and regulate yourself quickly, you see everything into one big jumble and it all has to come out at one time. You see, whether your expression of that thing or whether your reactions of that thing help anything at all, it all has to come out together. You see, now this is a brother who has he had that, you know, so he's always in situations and I'm, and then afterwards is, you know, cause he, he's older than me. Actually. He's a couple of years older than me, but he's always, he always considered me like from way back. He would always say, yeah, this is my spiritual counselor. And I'm saying way, way back. And I'm like, I used to tell people, no, I'm not like, <laughs> don't blame that. Don't blame that on me. No, you do your own thing, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's the same thing in, in every moment, whenever he's calling back a story is the reason I brought him up in the first place, but I love the brother. So, you know, if I'm talking about him, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to embellish. I'm not embellishing, but I'm going to expand on the story. I'm actually holding back details because he's wow. I'm holding back details. <laughs> you know, um, he was the first person I ever seen to wear skinny jeans too. And we were too old to be wearing skinny jeans, but he had a pair of cowhide leather pants. And at the time, I was working, I was doing um, a lot of different programs for the New York City Board of Ed. And ignorantly, I brought him in, you know, to, to teach some things, man. His brother showed up first day with sagging, tight, cowhide leather pants and a leather cowboy hat. You know? But hey, that's, you know, like I said, you always have that cousin. <laughs> That your auntie be like, you know, see if you can see if you could do something for Daryl. See if you try to find a job for Daryl. You know, just he could do anything if he just put his mind to him, to it. Just you know, see, I just wish he was more like you. You know, he's one of them. Yeah, I just always gotta. I right, come on, bro. Let me see. I find something for you to do. You know, but yeah, man, he was wilding out, man. Locks coming out of this little tiny leather cowboy hat. You know. And I used to always tell him, if you were gay, all of this would make sense. But he ain't got a gay bone in his body. You know, it's just he's he's Leo. He's, he wants to make an impression. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I do I do appreciate and honor his 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 courage, you know, his bravery in that. But um and the beautiful thing about him, he can laugh at himself too, man. Now that's actually one of the key components of self awareness. You know, a lot of people have trouble a lot of times. Like I just saw Vivid Eye Publications. You just said in the chat room, that's tough to do in the moment. But once it's done, the outcome is highly beneficial. Absolutely. It's tough a lot of times to compartmentalize in the moment. You know, people who can laugh at themselves are usually pretty good at that. You know, um, but being able to say, okay, this emotion, that emotion, that emotion. And then you pick and choose. (laughs) You know, you can deal with each one separately when you're able to have that 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 kind of sense of, of, of that out-of-body experience. A lot of times, I'm going to tell you something real simple. It's something real, real simple. You're moving too fast. You're just moving too fast. You got to slow things up. I know it, it sounds like, I tell, I'm telling you guys, the simplest things are the deepest things. You know, you think about a lot of times when you get into arguments and things like that with your spouse or whatever like that, right? 
what what usually escalates it to a point that you wish it didn't escalate to? You reacted too quickly. You know, they said something, you said you something, and then somebody's going to say at some point, you know what, forget it. And did you really mean, what you mean forget? Like, what does that actually mean? You know, I'm out of here. What does that mean? You mean you leaving, like, right now? You're leaving a relationship? What are you actually saying to me? You see, and then usually they'll say, ah, they won't say anything. They'll just go back into the argument again. And what makes it so easy sometimes is just to pull back the reins and slow down a little bit. Sometimes you have to change your inner dialogue. You have to treat your inner dialogue like you're your own therapist. Sometimes you have to pull back and say something like this. Okay, you're feeling this, you're feeling that, you're feeling that, you know, and then, and then you, you, you get on your own therapeutic sofa and you say, okay, slow it down. Explain to me what happened again. I used to do this all the time with students. This was a little technique. I can, I can now tell my secret now because I'm not going back to being in a public school to being anybody's principal or anything like that. So I can, now I can talk. Heck, I can even talk about how I used to beat up students in the bathroom. <laughs> True talk. But anyway, um, <laughs> so a lot of times when fights used to happen in the school, right? Because, you know, I, I, worked in, I worked in a lot of hoods. So a lot of my students were gang members. But they knew, my, you know, wherever I was, the neutral zone. Don't come here with no... No flag in your back pocket or hats on that say certain. You're not going to get away with that with me because I stay too much in too many gutter environments to not know the codes, you know. So that would never work with me, you know. Little thing, little hats they would wear, KC Royal hats and stuff like that, you know, or Cubs fitted. Like I know, I know what you're wearing, you know. So when students used to get into into situations, sometimes a lot of times before it was physical. You know, like they would be separated and things like that. I'm talking to them. I would make them run it down so much to the point that they'd be mad at me. You know, first thing I would would always say, you know, is a fight that goes on. Okay, okay, okay. All right, well, tell me, where were you when everything started? Yo, we was in Mr. So-and-so's class. No, 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 no. Where's your seat in relationship to his seat? I sit in this side, I sit in that. Okay, which way were you facing? I, I was, I don't know, I was facing him. Okay, okay, I right, show me. You know, like me and you, we're going to sit here, set the chair. I'm telling you, I would take him through this whole thing, right? And they never picked up on this. And then and then when if a punch was thrown or something, I'd say, okay, when the punch was thrown, what, what hand? What hand did you, your right, okay, your right hand? Okay, how were you standing when the punch was thrown? And then where was he at? Okay, who was around? Who witnessed this? Yo, the whole class was there. Yeah, but where were they in relationship to where things are? See, now what's happening as I'm doing this, I'm slowing everything down. I'm making the, the, the I used to, used to have to make the youth process exactly what was happening, exactly what they were thinking. And by the time they're done, I'm telling you, by the time the, maybe within five or six minutes in, I'm cracking jokes. They're laughing. Now, they're still sweating. They still got the sweat from the almost fight or, you know, what they're like. They're laughing. I'm giving them, because I didn't have, I didn't, I, in any of the schools I always worked, I always got rid of detention. I, I am a staunch advocate against detention. I'm not with it. I'm a staunch advocate against in-school suspension as well, because you're just preparing them for jail. I, I know what that is. You know, you're bad, so now we're going to isolate you 
and we're going to put you in this room where you got to shut up and stay in a room all day. Come on, man. So now when I put you in a cell later, you like, man, I could do this standing on my hands. Man. I spent most of high school in detention. This ain't nothing. You know, so I had what was called meditation moments. That's similar, you know, because by law, you got to do, you know, when you work in that, in that system, you have to fulfill certain requirements. So you have to have a suspension component. You have to have some form of punitive component, but you can call it what you want. You know, um, at least to the students on the books, you might say, yeah, sat him in detention or whatever. But, you know, I had different, I had different curriculums that I developed, you know, so you ain't just sitting there in a room. You're doing something, you know, I had different meditation modalities. Then I also had a curriculum that um, I had formed, we called it the rage curriculum. And I utilized music as, you know, with that. And they had to, there's a whole long thing. I don't get into all that. But anyway, so you still going into the meditation room or you still going on. I had meditation stools as well. I had given one to um, Baba Baruti. When he called in, we had him as a guest on the show. He had mentioned that meditation stool, you know, for his school, Aquabin House down there in Atlanta. But um, I had hit him off with that. He was like, man, I love that idea. You know, um, I had bought these real nice um, Ashanti stools. And I was like, that's where you sit. You you act up, you bug out, go to the meditation stool. You know what I mean? So you're still interacting with certain symbols, certain elements. You're sitting on wood. They're healing. You're sitting in a, in a, in a real good position. You know, and you got to sit there and meditate. Now, we ain't doing detention. You don't need detention, man. You know, the most I might do is have them have to come to boxing after school. And you know what that was. You know, it's a way you could, you know, you could, you could play with the corporal punishment thing. It's it's a way to do it. (laughs) You know, you put them up against another student. Like, yo, y'all going to come to boxing after school. Y'all want to fight? All right. Come to boxing class after school. You know, get it out. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, a lot of times slowing things up is so valuable. Now, I'm speaking about what I'm doing with young boys, you know, from 14 to 20. I know I'm talking high school, but, you know, sometimes it takes a little longer for some of us to get through it. But um, these these same methods work. You know, you're 40, 50, 60 years old. It'll work for you, too. And younger, you know, Um Sometimes that level of slowing up allows you to regulate things. You know, you think about it just like when you're trying to do something that's difficult. Like uh, for any of you who are involved in any type of sport, any type of music, any, anything where it requires dexterity. Usually when you're learning something, the first thing you got to learn, you got to learn to do it slow. You see, you got to learn to do it slow and then you speed it up. You know, and for me, some things that I may teach or whatever, I do it slow, then I do it backwards. You know, do it slow, do it backwards, do slow, do that for a long time, then you speed it up. In fact, just last night I was working on something. I had I was doing some repairs on a on an old bass guitar that I've been saying for the longest I'm just gonna try to restore it. And um I had did some things to it and then pulled it out. I was like, Man, this thing's starting to sound all right. And it was something I was trying to do. I kept screwing it up. It was just sloppy, you know. So I said, you know, I'm so used to playing this fast, I'm overconfident. I haven't touched touched it in a long time, you know, so I slowed it way down, you know, I'm not even thinking about playing it fast. When I need to play it fast, the skill will come to me, but get the mechanics down first. So sometimes you have to slow down the mechanics of your thinking in order to be able to respond quickly when the time comes, because now you're not obsessed about the mechanics of it. It's just like someone who, 
who, you know, wins the Super Bowl or wins the big game, you know, with a winning pass. Are they thinking about the way they threw the ball? No, because they've thrown that ball that same exact way 5,000 times. 5,000 times. When did it begin? When they was in the backyard just throwing it through an old tire? They threw it the same way they threw it through the tire as they did on, on, on the field. You see? And sometimes when you're in those situations, I'm going to tell you, and this is sound crazy, but, you know, just understand that most of this information is for crazy people. That's why you're listening. Okay. Take, take it how you want it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, don't worry. There's a difference between being crazy and insane. When you're insane, you have a total sense of uh, or total lack of self-awareness. Like my friend, he's insane because he's always the hero in his in his mind, that's the Leo thing. He's always the hero. No matter what goes down, he's the, yo, man, good thing you pulled that young boy off me, man. I was about to kill him. You So now you did him a favor because he's down the street bragging about how he just choked you out and I had to pull you off. So I don't know. We got a conflict of stories here. But, you know, so the thing is, when you can when you can slow it down or like like I said, you can speed it up. In the same instance, but, you know, again, if your internal story always brings you to a place where you're unwilling to adapt to whatever the situation may have defined or the situation may have called for, you can't get out of that. You see, that's one of, that's one of the huge things. Like I said, that person throwing that winning pass, he's not thinking about, you know, the mechanics of throwing anymore because that's already been locked in and ingrained how we do certain things. So even when you're so used to now using your internal processes to segment your thinking, you see, and you do that all the time. Now, when it comes time to do it, something happens, you know, you get on the phone, customer service, somebody's acting stupid, whatever, whatever it is, man, somebody bumps into your car, what you immediately start segmenting, you you know, your mind, you're like a Vulcan, you're like Dr. Spock from Star Trek. You know, you mean, well, logically, if you look at it, you know, you're already starting to segment and cut things up, man. And it becomes, I'm telling you, it becomes a very beautiful experience when you can have that level of outer body experience. You start to love, you start to gain a couple of things. Number one, you gain a greater sense of self-control. All right, let's just start there. You definitely gain a greater sense of self-control. You get, you gain a greater sense of adaptability. You gain a greater sense of perceptiveness. And you even gain a greater sense of proactiveness because you're the one who's able to respond and, and move in a certain way because you've already segmented what's what and what you're going to get out of each reaction. You see, so many times I talk to clients and students, man, and I'm sharing information with them, and they keep coming back to the same story, the same dialogue that they have inside of themselves, which shows me a lack of emotional maturity. See, a lot of times you guys don't understand because you don't know your own, your own signs. I'm like, I'm like a hunter. So I'm looking at the different signs as I'm working with you. And sometimes you're giving off signs and you don't even know it because Number one is, yeah, there's a lack of self-awareness. But two, you're not trained in that area. So, you know, it's okay. You know, just like if somebody's a chiropractor or something like that, they may look at me and look at the way I walk and say, you probably have this issue with your back or you're going to have this issue with your back if you don't start maybe wearing shoes like this or use this type of pillow or this, that, 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 that. And I may be like, what you talking about? It's my body. How are you going to tell me something about my body? Well, this person... It's trained in that area. You know, they they talk and think about that all day, <laughs> you know, 
the things that I I do all day, I I like to I like to crack brains open. I do that all day. You know, I like to even watch brain surgery. I like to look at brains of different animals. You know, I find that the mind and the brain and the spirit and and the internal conscientious psychology, I find it fascinating. I'm not necessarily fascinated by other things. You see, so I don't assert myself in those areas. We all we all stand in the village and we all have a different role that we're supposed to play or a different character or glyph that we carve out in the village for us to serve the village to its greatest, you know, capacity or its greatest potential, you know? So sometimes we have to have that ability of trust. And, but the thing is, as you start to begin to develop and cultivate that inner therapy, that inner, that inner, um, what's the word I want to that therapy, therapist. I forgot the ist. I was like, I'm saying something wrong here. <laughs> you start to develop that inner, that inner therapist that will develop again that sense of of self awareness because you're compartmentalizing, and then you find it develop. You'll develop a greater sense of empathy when you can separate the emotions like that, man. You develop a greater sense of empathy. You know, there's times, man, I, I've had students. Yeah, and we go back to the school examples, or even some of you where things have happened. And because sometimes we move so fast, sometimes we move so fast, even in our listening, we don't, we don't really connect with what's going on in the moment. I remember um, years ago, and I need to find this kid, man. I think this kid's dead. But um, one of my old students, um, I, lo- I love this kid, man. He was a good kid. But um, let me stop saying kid. I'm, I'm taking on that demonic title. I've been saying that a lot lately, kid. Instead of child, I never say kid. I used to correct people for me. Call my child, my child, no kid. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> you know. Now nah, I'm doing it. But um, he was, he was, he professed himself to be gay, right? But he was kind of moved into that, that, you know. But um, I was the first person he came out to. I remember the day he came into my office and told me, you know, that that he he was gay, and you know, we had to talk about it, and he was he was really concerned about how I was going to respond to that and this and that. And I said, look, man, gay or not, I said, if I had a school full of you, I'd be happy. You're you're a great person, you know. And then I asked him some questions. I was like, you know, are you playing with this? Is you entertaining it? You know, is it just because you like freaking off? (laughs) You know, like you figuring out different ways to to get off? Or do you feel like you're really, you really want to be invested in, in that lifestyle that, and that culture, well, sex style and the culture, everything that comes with it. He was like, I think I'm invested. He said, ever since I was a little boy, my uncles always told me I was gay. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready. You know, you know, already I'm ready to take the box cutter to his uncles and break the, break the damn blade off inside of him. So he's like, yo, all my uncles should say I was gay. I'm like, yeah, see, all right. I'm sure that was real helpful. You know, so he was like, so, I mean, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm not that attracted to girls, even though he had girlfriends. But they used to, you know, I guess he opened up to me one time because I, I caught him one one day after school, him and his, this other boy, big time basketball captain. You know, he was leader team, you know, big time, cool. And I'm like, uh-huh, the boy gay. You know, he too he too concerned about them bright earrings and the boy gay. You know, when no one else picked up on it. I seen them them and a couple of girls get in a cab and just the whole vibe, 
I was like, yo, they getting ready to go have an orgy. I, I just felt it. And the next day at school, I was like, yeah, what you do after school? And he kind of just gave me this look like, you know what I did after school. <laughs> you know who I did after school. I was like, all right. So I guess, you know. But um, so we had some talks about it. And, I, you know, I just had warned him. I said, no, you got to be careful about these older guys, man. You know, some some of your uncles and whoever, they could have been fake uncles, would tell you that because they, they want to use you. You know, they, they want you. So they're trying to move you into position in that sense, you know, and I had remember like a year or two later, I had saw him um, on Fordham Road in the Bronx walking with um, a much older man. And I pulled him to the side. I was like, Yo, what are you doing, man? Oh, no, it's just my friend. I said, here we go. Here we go. And, and thus it begins, you know. Um, but, yeah, he's got HIV now. You know, last time we spoke, and I have not heard from him for a while. I used to, I used to make him check in with me, you know, at least every season, and I haven't heard from him in like two years. So I think he might be gone. You know, he can't be any older than. Let me see, what grade was he in? He was in. I had him since ninth grade. He can't be any older than maybe twenty-four, if that. You know, but long story short, because I gotta get out of here. So there was a time one time he 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 was a tough kid though he didn't mind fighting everybody would call him fruity <laughs> he would he'd be quick to get in anybody's face like what would you say <laughs> you know and that happened one time in school and one of my other little thug adopted sons because he loved me they said we looked just alike but we didn't because he looked like a little monster but I loved him um, smacked him in the face you know um, and was like I'll smack you out. I only have to knock you out. Smacked him in the face. And um, they were getting ready to go at it. You know, like, he was like, I'm not afraid of you. I don't care if you're blood, whatever. We'll fight. And, um, but this young man was, he was Puerto Rican. He had really fair skin. So his whole side of his face was just lit up bright red, like a Christmas tree. So when he finally got to my office, I said, listen, man, I, I know. I know that's a bummer, man. That sucks. I said, uh, I know it wasn't that the smack hurt. I said, but you, you know, you have your skin is real tender, you know, and, and your your fair skin, so it really looks like he really did something. But I know he didn't do anything to you. I know, I know you're, because he used to come to martial arts. He was a tough kid. I said, I know you're a tough kid. You know, you 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 could have probably took him actually. Now he couldn't have took him, <laughs> you know. But the point is, 